Welcome to Trinity on Tap, the Old Testament, a podcast series brought to you by Trinity College Queensland, presented by Dr. Paul Jones. 5.4, God's Call. Well, welcome back to this final podcast in this series of Trinity on Tap. Uh, As we conclude this series, I want to wrap it up just by briefly going over the major themes that we've covered and talking about how they fit together, both in the Bible and in life as you live it. First thing we spoke about was chaos, that life-diminishing force in the world that the Bible speaks of as disorderliness, uh, using images like darkness and waters and monsters. And we had to think about what modern-day monsters might be sucking the life out of us. And we considered that the way forward is often found through order and obedience. The second theme was creation, where we saw that God redeems or saves us from our human propensity to muck things up. And in fact, we noted that sometimes it's, it's that very nature, it's that drive to screw things up that actually leads us into the throne room of a merciful God who wants to know us deeply and give our lives positive purpose. And how exactly does God do that? Well, in part three, we saw that God's desire all along has been to build a kingdom in which he can live among his people. And that happens because God initiates a covenant relationship with us where there are expectations on us and we can have expectations on God based on his promises. Now, if we remain faithful to God within the terms of that covenant, then we are considered righteous. And if God is faithful to the terms of the relationship, then he is considered righteous. And it's no surprise that God is a promise keeper, that he is faithful and therefore righteous. That's part of the core testimony of the Old Testament. What's surprising about that arrangement is that when we trust in God and trust in Jesus, when we believe in those promises, we are also considered righteous. In other words, our allegiance to God over other idols or or other gods, little g, means that we're keeping the terms of the covenant. In New Testament terms, if we believe, if we trust that Jesus' death on the cross was on our behalf, that our rebellion against God has been accounted for and dealt with, then we are considered righteous in God's sight. Let me just read you a couple of verses from Romans 3 on that. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed, and it's attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, or that could be translated through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, for all who believe. For there is no distinction, since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. I'm hoping that all of this is sounding more meaningful in light of everything that we've looked at through the Old Testament. Reading on verse 25, he did this to show his righteousness, to show his righteousness, Because in his divine forbearance, he passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies, that is, he considers righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. So that really sums up that covenant relationship. 
that God has shown himself to be a promise keeper and faithful and righteous and that he makes us righteous or justifies us when we have faith in Jesus. And we saw that that covenant is God's solution to the enduring problem of chaos or sin in the world. And the way that we express our faithfulness, our allegiance, is not just by sitting around saying, I believe God's real. I believe he's doing stuff in the world. But it's through our own enactment or embodiment of that faith, which is called obedience. So the point in the Old Testament was not that Israel had to get everything right all the time. The point was that they demonstrated that they put Yahweh first by obeying his laws. And when they made mistakes, they could restore that relationship through various sacrificial rites. That was part of God's grace saying, you're not going to get this right all the time, but there is a system that will account for that. Now, at that point, I asked what the purpose of obedience was, and we saw that the Old Testament doesn't encourage a blind obedience, but rather obedience with a goal. If you're not sure why you're trying to have better morals all the time, then it's worth stopping and sitting back and saying, what's going on here? What is the goal, the purpose of my obedience? And we saw that that goal is the enhancement of God's reputation in the world. That's how we summarized it. It's about God's reputation. In other words, we obey in order to take on the character of God because if the church can begin to reflect the image of God as God intended, then we might just stand a chance of drawing people from every nation towards him. In the Old Testament, God wants to wear his people with pride. You remember that story in Jeremiah 13. In the New Testament, we go a step further and deeper. The people of God are described not as God's belt or his clothing, but as the body of Christ, doing the things, the very things that Jesus himself was doing in the Gospels. And then we got to part four, and we explored what it means to be in crisis. We saw there that God promises through his prophets to respond to us in the same way or corresponding to how we respond to him. And actually, actually, the language is a lot stronger than that in the Old Testament, because on numerous occasions, it says that God changes his mind towards us as we change our behavior towards him. So we looked at Josiah and his son Jehoiakim, and we saw that God shows mercy on Josiah because of his change in behavior, but that judgment comes upon Jehoiakim because he remains resistant to God. And that first point about crisis then was that our decisions in times of crisis are especially important. Related to that, though, the second thing we noticed in, under crisis was that in the book of Job, Job's decision to keep praying through crisis was absolutely vital. The difference between Job and his mates was that they spoke about God and kept saying what God is like and how God behaves and so on, while Job just kept speaking to God. They held on to their convictions that they already held about God's ways and his character, while Job showed a willingness to question and to listen, not to be stubborn and static, but to question and be transformed by the answers to his questions. So crisis, while it's painful, and I'm certainly not denying that it is, crisis provides real opportunities for transformation and growth. 
Finally, our fifth and final theme was calling. And we saw that the beginning of wisdom, the way to live wisely, is to live with a Godward posture. Not forward, not backward, but Godward. What I mean by that is what the Hebrew term fear of the Lord is getting at. It's a life that's oriented towards God, a relationship with God, where he's not like Siri, I think I mentioned earlier. You know, he's not a name that we call on if and when we need answers. It's a relationship where he is Lord. And actually, if we can even imagine this, he is more at the center of our lives than we ourselves are. He is more at the center of our lives than we ourselves are. That's why Job ends up saying, I'm so small. I'm so small. And in Psalm 1, we observe that that happens when we establish routines to daily stretch out our roots towards streams of living water. Because you're always making choices. You will make lots of choices today, all the time. And it's not just when big decisions come along. Every meeting, you know, every phone call, every time you get on your bike or in your car, every conversation, every time you look at a screen, where, whether it be a phone or a TV or an iPad or a laptop, you are always making choices. And whether you like it or not, those choices are setting you on a path. So finally, I encouraged you uh, just in that last podcast to embrace the diversity of the Bible. Don't shy away from it. Don't give up on it. Read it. Explore it. Ask God for insight. Discuss it with friends. Study it. Listen to it and enjoy it. Now, there's so much more, of course, that could be said, but it's probably a good time for me to wrap this up by saying that I hope you've enjoyed this podcast series. Uh, We're planning on putting more of these together, so we would be very happy to hear from you. Actually, as simple as it sounds, I'd be really interested to know whether you've listened to this in your car on the way to work or whether you listen to it with a life group studying the Bible midweek or in some other context. I'd just be interested to know where these are most useful. And if you found the PDF useful too, let us know. The general purpose of this whole initiative is to equip the church. So we would love to hear from you. This has been fun. My name is Paul Jones. I'm lecturer in Old Testament and preaching at Trinity College, Queensland. And I thank you for listening. Oh, and before I go, here's your very last question. Hopefully something that you can discuss with some friends. It's a nice big general question. Two questions, actually. What have you learned from this podcast series about the Old Testament? And what have you learned from this podcast series about yourself? Hope to meet you sometime. Bye for now. This podcast was brought to you by Trinity College Queensland. Honest answers to tough questions. Visit trinity.qld.edu.au to learn more.